Welcome back to SwitchCast. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars and Cannonball Run record holder. And we are pre-recorded once again. I'm sorry you can't call in tonight and ask your questions. However, the guest tonight, uh, talk about on the road. This is a couple who have almost 300,000 miles in their Cobra replicas. That's hard for me to fathom. I love road trips, but man, I also like my heated and massage seats for those longer trips. Uh, This couple has been driving for over 30 years all across the country in first a Cobra kit car and then a Cobra continuation that Kay built in his garage. He bought the parts directly from Carol Shelby, a genuine CSX VIN car, and then assembled it. I don't know if any of you guys can imagine driving across country, putting 150,000 miles with your wife in a hand-assembled, loud, hot V8 Roadster with no creature comforts, but this is what these people do. They are not Instagram celebrities. They are not YouTubers. Unless you're involved in the Shelby American Club, you've probably never heard of them. However, you've probably met them if you go out to any track days with SAC or with the Ferrari Club or if you've seen them at a Cars and Coffee because they love people. They love being around cars and just sharing the passion. They are wonderful, wonderful people. And everybody who meets them, I think, is impacted by their attitude and their spirit. So uh, I hope you'll catch some of that in the interview. Uh, Mickey wasn't, uh, she was off camera chatting with my wife while we did the interview, but Kay, the builder of the car, uh, was uh, talking with me for for a while and we talked about all sorts of things from his opinion on racing to getting into a little bit of automotive politics and uh, kit cars in general and just some incredible history of Shelby cars and man it was it was really just incredible eye-opening it was great for me I did very little talking during this one which is it says a lot for me Uh, I just wanted to hear what he had to say and I think you guys will as well so sit back and enjoy this incredible interview We are up here, uh, SwitchCast, on the road, and on the road is a fitting description of uh, this interview because the Cobra replica behind us is, uh, it, it has been on the road probably more than any other Cobra in existence. It has about 150,000 miles, and I am here with the builder and owner, Kay. Kay, what's your last name? Inuma. Kay Inuma, Inuma from Hawaii, from Honolulu, yes, yes, right? Yes. And he and his wife, Mickey, have driven this car all over the country numerous times, been to many, many events, yes, racetracks, car shows, mm-hmm. and had all sorts of adventures along the way because you can't not have adventures when you go that many places, yes, especially yes. In, a, in a car yes. like this. Uh, does uh-huh. this car have a top? It does. It does. I took it off simply because we had to work on it. This okay. It usually has a top, a soft top. Okay. And it's a, it, it's like a, a tinker toy assembly of parts. You put <laughs> it up. You don't just pull it over like right. a Miata. Um, 
but we do it because Mickey's become uh, sun sensitive. Mm-hmm. But we used to run it with the top down continuously to all the events we used to go. And usually they're race events. Yeah. I call, well, it's easy to describe these high-speed events as race events because you're on the track with other similar types of vehicles that can do the same kind of performance like a vehicle like this. You don't usually see Cobras on a track anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily because, like, if you have an original Cobra, they'd be, like, you know, in maybe in the millions of dollars so mm-hmm. people don't want to wreck them. Um, and the modern cars are much more... Uh, performance oriented yes. these cars were a, a car you like have this, to be a really good driver to haul this around a track if and you want to go at speed right but um it's a car it has four wheels it has a frame it has a steering wheel it has an engine and so you can go to the grocery and pick up stuff um this car when we drive it cross country is 580 pounds over its normal weight. The car as built weighs 2,460 with a full tank of gas and spare tire and tools. When we waited at, we waited at a truck stop, mm-hmm. an official weigh station, it weighed 3,040 pounds. And so we did, a, we, we did some calculations. It's 580 pounds overweight because of all of our gear. Uh, what know. kind of gear do you have? Well, what do you have to take with you to, to drive a Cobra all around the country? Okay, we usually spend three to four months on the road. And so you need um, at least the clothing to do it. Um, basically, I carry like four jeans, four um, uh, cargo short, uh, two cargo shorts, maybe 10 t-shirts, 12 pairs of socks because it may, we figured the longest we've gone without doing the laundry was about 10 days, about two weeks. So I carry 12 pairs of socks. Um, and we usually drive from, not we always drive from California to whatever race events there is for the Shelby American Automobile Club, as well as the um, Mid-America Ford Team Shelby Club. And they have their national events at usually a uh, a famous racetrack in America. Uh, this year, the last race we did was, and I, I got to back up here. A, a race is not like you see in, on television where professionals go out, bang some cars, and then they get you know they get big money. We go out there as club events, and these are high-speed touring events. Track day is what we call them. You call them track day. Yeah, or yeah. HPDE, high-performance high driving performance events. High-performance driving. Yep. That, that's what, um, at Hallett Motor Racing Circuit, which we call our, our, um, our base track, is because we just like the guys at Hallett Motor Racing Circuit. They're in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I have my racing certificate from Hallett Motor Racing Circuit. Um, we just like to hang out with the good old boys. We had our first uh, Shelby American Automobile Club event at Pocono Raceway in Pennsylvania this year. After that, we drove it to Tulsa. We drive to all events. We don't have a trailer. So we drive from California to whatever event there is. And the furthest, the farthest event we've gone to was uh, Lime Rock Park in uh, Connecticut. Yep. Yeah. The only time your car is on a trailer is when it's broken, right? Yes, it's on a it's on a triple A tow rig. Yes. <laughs> do you, do you yes. have triple A? Yes, we you got the, the to, big subscription. You got two hundred mile <laughs> range tow. 
and we used it this year. How many times? How many times have you used it? And you have one hundred fifty thousand miles yeah. on this. Um, yeah, we have hundred, and in one hundred fifty thousand miles, we've towed this car three times. That's that's yeah. not bad. No, no. Um, and you built it yourself in your garage. Tell us yeah. the story, right? So, yeah, um, this is not a kit car. Mm-hmm. This is a a CSX VIN continuation Cobra. So it is yes. genuinely built by shelby american it or, is. or produced by that it is. but you didn't mm-hmm. buy one from the factory tell us the story yeah. of how you got it and and built it we couldn't afford an original 289 cobra we have a kit car uh 427 cobra but we we always had our eyes on a 289 car which is the predecessor of the 427 mm-hmm. we call it a slab side doesn't have big fenders it doesn't have flares no big tires it, it's a more uh, classic British-looking car. It looks like the original AC Cobra. It is based on the AC chassis. Yep. Yeah. It, it, in fact, look, all of the early Cobras are based on the AC chassis. Uh, I, this this guy, John Tohero, created that chassis, I think, in the mid-50s, 50s technology. Well, anyway, so we were having breakfast with a good friend of ours, and um, at that time in 19, well, in 2003, he owned every single original Shelby ever made at that time. And he was a very good friend of Carol Shelby's. And so I asked Paul if he could do me a favor and call the old man and, and, and ask him if I could get all of the parts from the factory to build my own 289 Cobra. To make a long story short, so Paul called called Shelby, and the next day we got the the the, the, um, the, the factory got the go ahead, and in 2003, 23 boxes of parts, the body and the frame showed up at my daughter's home in Sunnyvale, California, and it took me two and a half years to to construct this car, and along with the car came uh, the manufacturer's statement of origin that Carol Shelby signed, so he made it a genuine Cobra. And in 2005, when I completed it, I, uh, I shipped it to Hawaii and got it titled in Hawaii. We shipped it back to California, and we started our first uh, high-speed event, um, a touring event at California Speedway. And uh, that after I broke the car in about 1,500 miles, and we took it for our first, quote, race event. And uh, since then, we've driven the car every year until the this um covid uh, made it difficult for us to come to the mainland so we've done since 2005 approximately 30 uh, uh high speed track events over the all over the united states and That's we drove it incredible. to we drove it to alaska twice through canada you yeah. drove it to alaska yeah drove a cobra to alaska uh, right uh, yeah and um uh, it's a car, and yeah, yeah. And, and what only the problem with Canada is if 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 you miss a, a gas station, you may have big problems because you're in a wilderness. Yeah, and another the, the the funny part about Canada was, so like we like uh, we wanted to take pictures of bears, well because of the rumble the car makes, the bears wouldn't let us get close to them. <laughs> It scared them all away, and, and the tourists would get upset because they'd be taking the pictures of the and we, and I try to drive slowly, you know. But as I'm idling in, 
the, because I got a 427 uh, 351 Windsor Stroker engine in it. And so, like, <laughs> That's and, not and, quiet. Yeah, yeah, so it, it, it rumbles as it's coming, and then the bears all run away with their the baby bears. Yeah, and then the, and the tourists get upset, you know. So anyway, that that's that's our Canada story. So you yeah. have the only genuine Cobra that's yeah. been built by a private individual. Yeah, as you far bought as, the yeah. parts and yeah. you built it in the garage. Yes, as as, as far as uh, Shelby American knows, right. they, they they do sell um, what they call um, pallet uh, uh, builds, which is body frame roller, and they send them to dealers. Mm-hmm. Because any replica would be illegal to be constructed in America and sold um, without, um, how do I explain this? A dealer couldn't sell a running Cobra. They could sell the chassis and things and send it to a, a builder. And then they could sell it as a either a replica or a kit car depending what the, you know that the, the dmv the local dmv wants to call it so um they would many of the cars the the replica cars are sold to actual dealers and they put the engines in but i don't know of anyone who's built a one of these cars frame up with just individual parts so you've used a lot of terms kit mm-hmm. car and replica yeah. and shelby calls them continuations yes um you've spoken to me a, a a bunch about people referring to these as original and recently i got into a little bit of a tiff with a guy uh about his kit car lamborghini countach that he then yeah. finally admitted wasn't a real lamborghini okay. but then said it was a replica yes and i'm like eh, it's it's nothing close to that but you've used these different terms mm-hmm for the uninitiated mm-hmm. what is what is your definition or what what do you think is the difference between kit car and replica versus a continuation um there are two manufacturers that i know of that uses the term continuation jaguar that has replicated their short wheelbase 63 uh, lamar uh, race car and shelby american who's building their continuation cobra and they call it continuation is because they've built the original cars and now they continue to build the original cars. Okay, that's, that is the best definition that, that anyone can give you technically. Because an original car starts with provenance. Every car has provenance, including a new car. But provenance always starts with year. You always ask a guy, hey, what year is that car? You never go, you, you know it's a Ford, but what year is that Ford? Provenance starts with year. And if it's an original car, it will be a 65 Cobra. Now, I can call this a 65 Cobra simply because it is a 1965 289 289 model Cobra as built by Shelby American in that day. But this this car was not built in 65. I call it a replica. It replicates a car that was built in 1965. Okay, Okay, so then replica versus kit car. A kit car, let me start with replica. Replica implies that you have reproduced every single part on the car that replicates, which means looks like, built like the original thing. That is a replica. So if you have a Cobra that has the same kind of suspension, the same way it's built, you have everything 
like an original, exactly like it, then you have a replica. You've replicated it. Many cars are built on like square tube chassis. Uh, many of them have uh, many of the uh, like the 289 cars have uh, uh, coilovers instead of uh, transverse leaves. Many of them have straight axle uh, rear differentials where the originals are all independent. And, and, and most, if not well, most of the cars that uh, emulate the originals have Jaguar rear suspensions. Now, another technicality. Cobras have Jaguar-type suspensions. It's called um, Salisbury. It's the Salisbury H4U. That's an independent. Jaguar uses them also. The, the original 427 Shelby Cobra was using H4U rear diff differential. But what, what differentiates the kit car is that everything else will not look like an original uh, suspension, including if you have a fiberglass body. That's a giveaway, first of all. And there are many small little things like where the serial number is located. Now, another technicality is that nobody can build their kit car or replica using the CSX uh, uh, serial number. Because only Shelby American has the, has the rights to use that because it is a, I don't know what you'd call it. It's like... Um, uh, when you um, patent something and you... Right, uh, trademark. The trademark, yeah. yeah. They have trade dress uh, rights to CSX. So, okay. Yeah, so if you get a car that starts and they want to make it seem like when they put CSX 8, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, CSX 1,800,000 or something, as long as you start with CSX, it'd be wrong. They can't use CSX. Right, Like you can't use trademark Cobra. law. Yeah. Only only Ford Motor Company that has the rights to the term Cobra can use the term Cobra. They just give it to Shelby to use. Mm -hmm. So even Shelby American doesn't have the rights to the term Cobra. They license it from Ford. Uh, yeah, uh, for okay. free, I think. I don't know if they even pay for it, but they can. <laughs> well, yeah, they build the things, you know. So, right. Yeah. Celebrity Machines is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. If you're looking for a gift for somebody you like or for garage art for your own place, check out CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST for a 25.39% discount at checkout. Again, go to CelebrityMachines.com and use discount code SWITCHCAST. So let's back up a little bit. You had a... Uh, a mid-American Cobra kit car. Yes. Prior to this one, that right. you have, you still have that. Yes. And you have about one hundred forty thousand miles on that. One hundred forty-eight thousand. Okay. Yeah, so, for people that don't know what a Cobra is and aren't watching online, a Cobra is as simple and utilitarian as you can get for a sports car. It's yes. It's a body, it's a frame, it's an engine, and two seats, essentially. Yes. Open top, it's loud, yeah. it rides hard, it yeah. shifts hard. It's, yeah. it, it takes some some effort and some grunt to drive. Yes. You and your wife mm -hmm. have driven 
nearly 300,000 miles in yeah. these cars right. across country. What inspired you to do this? Because I think some people just want to do it. They want to go drive Route 66. They want to go run a cannonball route. They want to drive across country once, and then they're mm -hmm. tired of it. You guys oh. have done it well, dozens and dozens of times. The thing that drives us are the people. When we cross country, literally, when we drive cross country, the people that we met is America. They are America. And when I was a kid, I was like 14 or 15 years old, I used to watch Route 66, the series. And when I was watching it, I thought, that's America. And then I traveled a bit and I didn't see enough of what I saw on Route 66 because it captivated me. When Martin Milner and George Chakiris went on their little trips and at the end of every show, they'd run off right off into a sunset with their little white Corvette somehow it touched me i mean like um, and because of the adventures that they ran into it wasn't just because we knew nothing about the car except it was a corvette it's a nice little corvette and everybody wanted a corvette at that time but the adventures that they ran into and then i thought well this is america and and it sure is we've run into situations throughout america over the and we've been doing this for almost 30 years and when you drive across america you learn about America. And there's a lot of America people don't know. And that's, it's the Midwestern states. There's a term they call drive-over, I mean, flyover country. That's, that's, that's America. Yep. <laughs> flyover country is America. It's not, it's not you know, I, I, built a, I built a car on the West Coast. Our daughter, my, my daughter and my son-in-law and my, my three grandsons, they, they live in, in uh, Sunnyvale, California. They, they don't want to move back to Hawaii because it's too small. My daughter don't want to come back. She says, what are we going to do there, you know? The only thing we got in Hawaii is perfect weather. You don't meet the kind of people you meet. You're meeting America when you drive America. You, you drive Canada, you meet Canadians. You, you, you know, in Toronto, you go BC, you're not meeting a real Canadian. I mean, you know, they live there. They live there all their life. But real Canada is the wilderness and with guys who have, you know, just fought to make a living in, in those, these places. I mean, people ask me, they tell me, whoa, you mean you drive, you drive cross country, man. Wow, man, that's, that's fantastic. I said, you ever heard of a covered wagon? Those guys <laughs> have crossed country. <laughs> And we stop at the Hilton Motel, and we stop at the Holiday Inn and, and all, of the, all of the choice hotels and motels and stuff. We're in heaven. I mean, like, we never get dirty. Except, well, when a car breaks down, I get dirty. Right. But <laughs> come on, we're not, we're, not, we're not fighting the indigenous people. We're not looking for water. We're not looking for things to eat. I mean, like, we're living in the best of times, man. We're actually living in the best of times. I get trouble with the car. I don't have to mail somebody back in the east or the west or whatever and come out with your cover wagon and go pick up my stuff. I call AAA. Come on. Yeah. You know. You get on your phone, you find find yeah. where the parts are. You're just telling us about that. You you have to you're doing an oil pan repair now. Right. And you couldn't yeah. find it at Summit Racing, you couldn't find it at the no. normal vendors. Yeah. So you went on Amazon, Amazon and had what it the, the next heck? day. I'm saying. <laughs> And it's yeah. one of two in the country or something like that, the oil pan that you needed? Two. Yeah, two. Yeah. And, and, and we couldn't believe it. Fred and I said, what? I, I, I got my oil pan. The same place I got my eight T-shirts I just ordered. <laughs> <laughs> eight T-shirts. Can you imagine? I get eight T-shirts and I get my oil pan. And in fact, something else coming. I forgot what I was Did ordering. Did they wrap the, the oil pan in the T-shirts? 
I'm telling you, man, it's America and technology. And this car is a, as a result of technology because it, it although you, an expert couldn't tell, well, an expert could because, you know, they'd look here and there and I wouldn't have the right serial number stamp certain place on my fender and, you know, and I don't fool anybody. I don't fool the experts with this car because the first thing I did was when I put that 427 stroker engine in, I badged it on 427. I didn't care. So when the purists come out, and I met some really, really, really interesting people, they go, hey, that ain't right, you know. And then we started talking. And they go, wow, did you do that? I went, yep. I said, Shelby Bay America. said, don't do it because it couldn't be done. <laughs> tell, tell us about, yeah. so you, you really don't like it when people try to pass something off as something it isn't. Tell us about the the show. Mm-hmm. You said a, a, a highway patrolman came up. Oh, um, to another car. Well, we the, the the first race we had with this car was at um, California Speedway. It was a it was a Shelby American Automobile Club event, and as uh, Mickey, my wife, was walking, uh, and, and my my grandsons and my my uh, my family just wanted to be there because they they could stay in a nice hotel and have a short vacation. She's walking in, in, in the, um, the, by the pool, and she had all our paperwork because I had just done tech, and because uh, we got to technically inspect the car before I go out on a racetrack. And one of the, there was a bunch of guys sitting at the pool and noticed the serial number on, 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 on the papers that she's carrying and said, hey, CSX8007, and she, you know, she don't, she don't pay attention to, you know, these guys, and she walks by and she says, hey, those guys over there, man, they called me out on that, that serial number, you know? So I went back and I, I was, hey, you know, you guys know about this serial number, and they, they go, yeah, 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 we're members of the club, and we recognize this as one of the con- Shelby's continuations. And one of them was a deputy state attorney general who had um, been involved in the litigation between Shelby and the state of California about Shelby's finding these uh, leftover frames from the day, and he was trying to sell them as original cars. Along, that, along with, in that conversation, I learned that one of the guys was at a car show and it was uh, a SAC member who knew all about GT350s. And this guy at the car show was selling this GT350. And when he looked at the car, he said, okay, it looked like one. And he started doing a little more cursory kind of investigation, meaning the questioning. And he found out that that was not an original GT350. He called the California Highway Patrol. They impounded the car on the spot. That's fraud. <laughs> it's fraud. This guy's trying to Golly. sell off a GT350 for like 250000 bucks, and it's a $30,000 knockoff. And one of the judges is an attorney general that knows Shelby's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he wasn't a judge, but he was just... He was, right, right, right. He Somebody was just there. A, yeah. yeah. And so, and there are guys, and I've met them, there are guys walking around these car shows, and when they see, especially because I'm a Cobra guy, they'll see a, a car that looks like a Cobra, and they'll go up to the owner and start talking, and and they're testing this guy. They're not interested in the car. They know it's a, it, it, it's a kit car. And they test them. Says, oh, you know, what kind of engine and where'd you get it from? And, you know, and then what's the serial number? Yeah. 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 And they won't say a thing. <laughs> and that guy forever, the guy who's passing this thing off as a real car, he's lost all credibility with everything else. That's he's lying funny. about a car. How are you going to trust a guy like that? So I caution guys in Hawaii with these kinds of cars. Don't try to even try to pass them off as facsimiles unless you have a real replica. Right. 
Because yeah. you never know who you're talking you to. You never know. Yeah. And then from then on, you're like, shit, they're not going to believe you. You got you got no credibility. Yeah. No. Yeah. Why? Why? You know, so why would you want to do that? I mean, you know, the car is impressive as it is. You may as well tell them the truth. So they'll 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 get into it. Because when I, when I start talking about my car, they're really interested. What? You mean you did that to the car? I said, yeah, man, because it's just a car. So I put a bigger engine in it and I race it. And, you know, aren't you afraid? I said, well, I don't. I'm known as a courteous driver. They, they put me in the top classes. In a, you know, I, I race in advanced, okay? It's because when these guys come up, I pat, let everybody pass me. I don't get mm -hmm. in anybody's way. I just go out there looking good because they don't have cars <laughs> like that. They don't have cars yeah. like this. Running in advance this? is not about no. being the fastest. No. It's about knowing and what am I gonna win? the etiquette. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, well, I try to stay ahead of them. I can't. I can't get I at Pocono Raceway, those late model Mustangs, I don't know what you even call them anymore, they lap me. Literally. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know? but, but you're driving this car. I look not, better I'm, than that. I don't want to. Well, but <laughs> yeah. you're muscling this car around. There's no power steering, there's no, no traction no, no. control. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, guys I have a lot of. Oh, yeah. AIDS. Yes, There's a right. lot of technology yeah. that goes into yeah. these cars. Yeah. We we use the term hero yes. cars because yeah. they make the driver look right. like a hero they regardless good. of how good yep. they are. The car is driving so, them. Yeah, in yeah. a sense. I mean, a good yep. driver can certainly extract a lot oh, out of those oh, cars. Yes. But a bad oh, driver yes. can still look really, really yeah. good and, and then, go really fast. And then they crash. Yeah, until yeah. they crash. Yeah. And they do it all yeah. the time. The, the past three events with the Northeast guys, Brand new cars, they crash it oh. because they can't handle it. They, they, they don't know where the brake point is. Gone. Because once you, once, you, once you lose on those guys, you better know how to recover because they're yeah. going wicked fast. They are going so the fast. The only Cobras, quote Cobras because they look like Cobras. Uh, I was on a track with um, a guy that, uh, with a factory five uh, 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 kit car. And he runs, he's a time attack guy. You know what time attack is? Mm -hmm. I yeah. used to do it. I ran the red line time attack. Okay. Those are the only kind of guys that keep up with these late model cars. But their wheels are twice the size as mine. It sounds three times as loud as mine. They have full row cages. I won't even drive them. Yeah, they're huh. built specifically for that. For that. Yeah. So, you know, so uh, uh, when I go out, he, he always goes, hey, man, take my car on the track. No way. I'm either <laughs> going to make the car look stupid or I'm going to look stupid. Are you kidding? You know, I mean, I don't mind dying on a track. That's no problem. But I know my limitations. And when you got on a time attack car, you better damn well know how to drive. Mm -hmm. Because people are expecting you to go super, super fast. So, I mean, you know, so that's my time attack story. I mean, I, I, he offers me to go to the car. I said, no, no, sorry, man. I don't, no, no. I don't, I don't want to look stupid. And I don't want your car to look slow. That's all. Nathan's Detailing is a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Nathan's Detailing is a company in Cleveland, Ohio that provides mobile detailing services for individuals and dealerships. They also offer PPF and ceramic coating installations. With over 800 Google reviews and an impressive 4.9 star rating, Nathan's Detailing is the go-to shop for all of your detailing and protection needs. With Nathan's, convenience is key. Their mobile detailing technicians bring the power, water, and supplies to your home or work and detail your car on site. Check out the link in our description for free interior fabric protection or leather conditioning with your purchase. At Nathan's Detailing, this smiles for you.
So you've got a lot of track experience, but one that kind of uh, gave you pause was the hill climb with the Ferrari Club. T- tell us that story. You started telling it to me earlier, oh, and then we yeah. got interrupted. So, uh, I find out we find out about the Virginia City hill climb from one of the uh, Tiger guys. Um, and a hill climb, for those yeah. who don't know, a, a, you know, you go to a track event, you have a closed course track, you can go around and around and around. A hill climb is is on a street. You know, everybody knows the Pikes Peak hill climb. It's the road up Pikes Peak, yes. and it's a one shot deal essentially. I mean, you can do yes. practice runs, but it's there's yes. a lot of blind corners. You can't yep. just memorize the course. So no, go and, go ahead and 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 they try. Um, the Virginia City hill climb is a sanctioned event and it's it's also authorized by the um virginia virginia city is in nevada i, I can't I remember so. anyway uh the state department of transportation as well mm-hmm. as the highway patrol they're there this they they're watching stuff because they don't want cars to come in and get crushed you know right yeah so one year we find out about it and uh, we know some of the guys and say oh you got to bring your car up to the virginia city hill climb i said oh yeah i know about hill climb i watch television right i watch you know so we went one year and it was the ferrari club of america they sponsored the i don't know if you call it sponsored but they run the virginia city hill climb we so we, i went out to a certain station to get the car tech to make sure our seat belts don't fall out and things like that and they okayed the car and we, we get there and the first uh, uh you you're given a practice lap not lap it's from the bottom of this hill or mountain uh to the very top and i think it's about five miles or something you know of, of, of all these turn things and so i go okay cool you know i get into my car and then i as i'm going up there's no guardrails there's no runoffs there's nothing it's a regular road and you got to go at speed and I think the fastest I ever went on a straightaway there was 90 miles an hour. I mean, that's the fastest I would go. So that was my practice run. Then I get a second run, and, 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 and I'm already nervous. And the second run, I got to go for time. My time run was slower than my practice run. <laughs> and when I came back, the race marshal comes up to me and goes, Wow, man, are you having fun? I said, No way, I'm scared shitless. I'm not going to do this again. He goes, what? I go, yeah, hey, here's my keys. You go if you really want. If you think it's that much fun, you go. Well, this guy, Mike, and I can't remember his name. He, he owns an original Cobra, and he's done this thing for 30 years. So he goes up 12 more times in my car. <laughs> so, 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 so Careful we, who you give your yeah, keys no, to. No, no, no. And, 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 and we've uh, we, we, we got to take turns being corner guys because in case a deer runs out or somebody's dog comes out or – because there's none of that. I mean, you can run into these things, turtles or whatever, you know? Okay, so I see my car, wow, this guy, this guy knows how to fast. So anyway, so we're at, we're at, we're at, the, we're at the, uh, the banquet. So Judge Garagalos, he's, he's, the, he's the president of the club, he goes up, you know? Well, we're gonna have a, a chairman's award, and we're gonna give K. Inuma the chairman's award this year. And I go, wow, because we don't know anybody stupid enough to give Mike his car to go up there 12 times. <laughs> So I win the chairman's <laughs> award that year, and then and then I find out that I get second place in the Shelby Group, okay, for you know for going up. Yeah, because there's only two of us. <laughs> I was gonna ask how many. 
<laughs> so this show so you got, got a trophy yeah he probably whipped up there like i don't know 500 miles or whatever these guys do and i probably went up they they they, they, they probably tie me with a freaking calendar man so, <laughs> so i get second place because there's only two of shelby's <laughs> <laughs> was a, it was a hoot. And you, you think, you know, you, you tend to think about, you know, furry guys, you know, fancy guys, and they're this and that, but they're a bunch of fun guys. And they invited, they only invited the Shelby Club and uh, Tiger Club because the Tiger, Tiger Club guys, from what I understand, they've been doing that for like 30 years or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned from uh, Doc, uh, oh, I forgot who, who, who talked me into doing that thing. I won't do it again. I, it, it, it's like it, it was no longer a blind turn on, on my time runs because I'd been there one. but mm-hmm. we got to talking to the guys and they would tell me like you know you've got to do this thing for like 30 years before you really learn the cost I said no shit I mean <laughs> you know at at, 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 the, um, the, at the driver's meeting now we've got to let you guys know now you know remember when those Viper guys came up now we put a we put a red flag on that it, it's, a, it's a double apex turn and apparently, this Viper guy put on new uh, Goodyear R whatever kind of tires. And what happened was, in, instead of throttle steering the first, the, the tires hooked up, went all right over the cliff. He died with, with his friend's wife, who was a passenger. Oh. And, and, and they had that little rag flag over there on the turn. And my first practice I went eh, and I see that red flag and I, eh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's my time run was even worse yeah. I don't think I even I think I went slow the entire I tell people you better have a good damn road oh no no what happened what my time run when I got to the top there was a Corvette was mashed into the side of the wall oh geez brand new one a yellow one and I thought this is not a race for me. When I run off, I want to go into the gravel. I don't want to go over a cliff. I stop. I won't do it. I yeah. mean, I don't care if the car gets crashed. I can get another one, man. You know? But I don't know how these guys... I know you, why they do it. I think you need a healthy you know? dose of fear to be an automotive enthusiast and to do stuff like oh, that and, and, uh, and not yeah, go off no. a cliff. The, 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 these, these events are dangerous events not only because of speed. We, we go to uh, Tulsa every year before we go to any event. If, if, if there's a conflict, we're in Tulsa. And <laughs> at, it's a Hallett Motor Racing Circuit. Wonderful people. They're, they're really more or less laid back, but they're very technically, uh, uh, we, in Hawaii we call them Akamai. They're technically smart guys because they race a lot, they break a lot, they go fast a lot. But Tulsa Raceway thinks that we know how to drag race. Okay, so, and we're not drag racers, we're road racers, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but one year, this is about like six years ago, when we left the racetrack at uh, Hallett Motor Racing Circuit, I think the track temperature was over 114 degrees and it's humid there. The heat is not bad, it's the humidity. And as I was putting Mickey, uh, Mickey was getting to our car and we headed back to the Marriott, which was the, uh, the headquarters, uh, convention headquarters. Gary Patterson, the, right now he's the president of uh, Shelby American, he stopped us. He said, no, 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 man. He, 
pull her out of the car and put her into one of the Mustangs because she's air conditioned. That's how hot it was. And he took her to the hotel. And that's the kind of guys we race with, you know. They, they're very, um, uh, they're very uh, sensitive guys, you know. They, they understand what's going on. So he, he wouldn't let her go back to the, to the, the, the motel, uh, hotel uh, in, in this car. Well, the next day, we were at uh, Tulsa Raceway. Famous, I think it's a famous drag strip. And as we're waiting to stage, we're lining up. There's about 15 or 20 of the cars, all kind of cars, Mustangs and Cobras and, uh, uh, you know, Fairlanes and whatever. Well, we're not going. We're sitting there and we're baking in a damn sun. It's about like 10.30 in the morning, 10.45. And all of a sudden, there's this fire truck pulls up in front of the, the crowd, as well as an EMT vehicle. Well, one of the Cobra guys in his car passed out waiting from the heat. 11 o'clock in the morning. I started my engine. I went right out of line. And I said, Mickey, we, we're going to the hotel. We ain't staying here, man. I'd rather die on the track than die waiting to get on the track. <laughs> it's, I, that, you know, yeah. I, that, I, I, then we learned something else. So the guys go, we're talking to the EMTs. Uh, well, what's going on? And they explain this. Well, you know, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're hydrated, man. Yeah, that's why, you know. We, Assuming that guy in a cobra wasn't hydrated, you know, he said, "No, no, 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 no. You can drink all you want. That water ain't going anywhere, man. You're just bloating yourselves up. Where's it going in this humidity? You on a track that hot in this humidity? You better get into an air-conditioned place where you can evaporate. You're out there in the humidity, killing yourself. I mean, like, and we oh, we learned something, you know. Everybody's saying, well, you better drink a lot of water. If you ain't pissing every every half an hour, man, you're getting into trouble. No, not in that kind of temperature, man. You just have yeah. to cool down. Oh, you got to cool down. Yeah. I learned that o over the years. I mean, like, one of the things I've learned is, yeah, these are these are ego things. When you get on a racetrack and you got to put on your fire suit and you got your helmet on and you're boom, 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 and everybody's going to watch it. And it, 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 it drives you emotionally, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you got to win. You got you to gotta look good, right? You got to think past that, man. And I say, man, you know, you, you, once you become you know, emotionally involved with the spot, the sport, you're not going to do good. You're going you're gonna to screw up somehow, you know. And yeah. you, you can't get that. Like, uh, people think they can get away with it because they watch NASCAR and the, the driver jumps out. And he wants to fight with the other driver and things like that, you know. But, but they're professional-level guys. Yeah, you know? and they have cool suits. And they got <laughs> everything there. You know? And now they're going to require me to get a Hans device. And I told them, this, well, they let me go this year because, you know, they, they know I can drive, you know, the car okay without killing myself. But I gotta get a hands device. Mm -hmm. Imagine, I, I don't want to look like a NASCAR driver going into a car like this. That just that looks silly already, you know. And plus, I'm not going to be going that fast. I mean, it's going to look okay, but so more and more, I hate to put it this way, more and more safety gets in the way of sport car driving, you know. Because the admonition ought to be, you will go on a track, or whatever it is. You put on your basic stuff. You kill yourself. That's your problem. Sign here. You know, yeah, it, it it's it's sure to a point, but nobody wants to see that happen to somebody yes, else. Do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. If this is why people go, dude. Uh, nobody <laughs> organizing the event, and probably especially be, not only because of compassion, but also because of legal liability. You can sign your life away. You know, right? Pun intended. But yes. at the same time, it 
there's always somebody that's going to sue. Look at Ben Preston. Look at Paul Walker. Look okay. at all the people that have died doing, you know, basically taking consensual risk. Okay. Yeah. But then right. people still sued yeah. because they wanted you to blame what, you somebody. You know what the problem is? The problem is not auto racing. The problem is lawyers. Think about it. I, I don't disagree, <laughs> but that's still, the, the point remains that that's why they're doing these things. Sport car history is simple, man. You seen those guys tooling around in them cars with those leather head stuff? <laughs> Dude. And I see these guys out on a track with these Cobras, some of these big dudes. Every one of those little white helmets above the roll bar. Come on, give me a yeah. break. Give me a break. You will kill the sport by being the way it is. In other words, litigation. If you're afraid of litigation, don't go. Don't participate. There's a saying. It ain't a sport unless you can get killed. Think about it. So golf isn't a sport. No, it's a game. <laughs> Basketball is a game. Baseball is a game. You do not anticipate dying in those activities. Mm -hmm. Sport car racing, you anticipate death. Hey, Aaron, you hear that? Cannonball? Cannonball's a sport. It's a sport. <laughs> it's a sport. The, but, 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 but here's the thing. But I, I got to say it. I got to say it. Cannonball, the distinction... You're going to kill a lot of people along the way. Potentially. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and that is my fear. Now, but the, other, the, but, but the thing is, if there was not that problem, as well as the multitude of problems that mm -hmm. you encounter on a cannonball, you wouldn't do it. You may as well watch it. You may as well go watch <laughs> Indy on the television, dude. That's why you do it. Yeah. That's why you do it. Yeah. I so, mean... That's, that's I mean. why we go to the racetrack. I mean, we there's risk. We may die. That's right. Even if we take all the precautions. I mean, with, right. the, with our racing series, exactly. we have fire suppression systems, Hans devices, yes. you know, spec yes. cages right. built. Right. We should yes. be able to wreck at yeah. 100 miles an hour, end over end, off, uh, off an embankment, okay. into a wall, okay. and walk away. Right, right. And, and you know what would happen? But it could catch on fire. Or anything it, else, you never know. Or you may just end up in the stands and kill 50 people. There aren't 50 people watching the races we run. <laughs> it's lemons. No, I'm just saying. We could but, take out the, no, we could no, go I through know. the whole spectator lot and only kill well, three people. Well, the worst thing you but, can do is take out one of the corner workers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You'd be banned for that's life. True. That's true. <laughs> well, what happened at, at, at Hallett recently? So we go, well, why did the red flag come out? Well, uh, uh, one of the cars hit the safety truck. Red flag comes out. Guy goes off the track for some reason. Red flag. Everybody stop. Safety trucks coming out to get that. Wow. He don't run. No, nobody got hurt. Nobody got That Mustang was totaled up to its windshield. And, and it's covered. I go, what's that thing doing? That's the car. And what? T-boned that, that truck. Jeepers. So you see, no, shit happens. The reason why, like in Formula One racing, the reason why they, they came um, really critical about uh, 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 safety and stuff. When Ayrton Senna died, it was because the track uh, official did not allow him to have certain mechanical devices on his car that could make him increase his speed. And that's what killed this guy. When I read what, I read what happened uh, in that event, I went, damn it, why didn't they allow that guy to, to have a modified brake system? That would have saved him, man. 
But they will not allow because it's outside of FIA rules. Rules, rules, rules. And what's that? To slow you down. I agree and disagree because yeah. some, well, Dale Earnhardt died because his neck snapped. A Hans device would have saved him. And then you look at the most yep. recent Formula One crash yep. Yep. where I don't remember his name, but he, he first turn okay. flipped over. Yeah. And because of the halo device, he yeah. was fine. Okay. He slid all the way yeah. across the track, yeah. ended up. But don't you think those things would have been dealt with without the rules? See, when is dying acceptable? You see? Yes. Because your race team, after er Earnhardt ate it, would have created something that that wouldn't happen again. Because you know who would have told you that? Your physicians, the doctors that worked with these teams. They go, hey, why don't you guys do, do this and that? That device was developed in Germany. I would not say by NASCAR. I would say not necessarily because people are too cheap, especially in amateur racing. If you don't tell them they have to have a fire suppression system, they're not because it costs money. Then the spectators are going to have a wonderful time watching this guy die. <laughs> That's what you think anybody <laughs> be watching it's Formula One. It's an interesting one? perspective. You think anybody be watching Formula One if there wasn't a possibility these guys get killed? They don't want to see guys just spinning around and they say, hey. No, man. There's an element of risk in these sports. And it started with the gladiators. And it started with guys who throw those little balls into these nets. And when they won or lost, somebody cut their head off or something. That's why people watching that. They're at hmm. the edge of the sport. And the, and the safety devices or whatever you're going to call them, the, to make them go faster or slower or whatever, it will, it will develop as, 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 as the sport develops more armor more whatever it is you know but nothing should get in the way of the efficiency of that sport because you're not going to put full armor and expect to get away from a guy who's quicker than you mm -hmm. yeah because i got it quicker than you be running around you and cutting you from all kinds of angles you're not going to do it so what are you you know so so the so the guys who put together this little tournament are gonna say, well, everybody's gotta wear this heavy armor, and now everybody's clunking around, and nobody, you know, I mean, like, who's gonna watch that? <laughs> that's no. that's an interesting perspective yeah, look, for look, sure. Can Am, Can Am racing, they put a stop to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why? Uh, the rules was four wheels, a steering wheel, a, a seat for a driver. And whatever you want to put in as an engine. Yeah, Group B rally shut down <laughs> for the same like thing. Too? It was I, I too. Don't know about no, that. well, yeah. no, I'm sorry, not yeah. not the same rules. But the reason Group B rally got shut down was because it was too dangerous. People were getting killed left and right. They had right. seven, eight hundred yeah. plus horsepower rally cars, okay. and people lining <laughs> wow. the the courses and right. just. I know. It, yeah. yeah, I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't do that. No, I, I don't that's care just what. asking yeah. for it. But. It's exciting to watch. Well, and people, there's thousands of people that are willing to stand right next to the course, on the knowing outside, on the outside of the apex. Yeah, I, 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 I can't, you know. And I go, what? I can't. And then I go, oh, I can understand why the thrill, the mm -hmm. adrenaline, the rush, yeah. the rush. There's no if adrenaline those, if there's no risk. No, if those little cars are tootling around and just people getting mud on themselves, you think they're gonna go? Yeah. Well, back no. to your point about cannonball. It wouldn't be a cannonball if we shut the roads down I'm and saying. it was, you know, fully yeah. sanctioned. Right. Wouldn't be the no. same. No. Because there's no risk. Yeah. Right. 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 And the, the, you know, and and when you go to these sanctioned races, the spectators also taking a chance. 
mm-hmm. they gotta sign waivers and all whatever, man. I mean, like, but but anyway, nonetheless, you know, things are as it is. And guys like us, we car guys, we just like cars, so we just go and we put up with the rules and we we go out, you know. But the rules, as far as I'm concerned, there's no reason for that. No, mm. you 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 might you might limit it to weight of chassis, horsepower. Fine, that you in different classes because it's not right for me to go race against you with a 427 Cobra and I I, I got a Datsun 240. Mm-hmm. That's dumb, right? So the only rules I think that should be uh, specifying different divisions is chassis, horsepower. I don't care what you put on it. All right. Yeah. The so, future Bernie Ecclestone here. No, not me. <laughs> <laughs> when I when I when I go to a curve, it looks too deep. I'm off the pedal wheel. <laughs> I roll through it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, your wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, Boxcast is an easy, flexible live streaming platform for organizations and individuals. Boxcast is so easy, we're broadcasting this from a phone. Head over to switchcars.com slash boxcast for your free trial. Again, it's switchcars.com slash boxcast for your free trial. So let's talk about your adventures on the road some more. Um, You've had, uh, you carry tools with you. You carry spare spare fuel pumps, spare, all sorts of spare parts. Mm. So you've had many a miraculous roadside fix. And I think you said you even broke down in Death Valley once, which... Yeah, much to your wife's delight, right? <laughs> Tell yeah. us about some of your oh. harrowing roadside okay. fixes. I, 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 I can tell you clearly. Um, what made me overload this car with stuff was the first time we drove cross country in our kit car, the 427 kit car. And it's not a 427 car. It has a 351 Cleveland that's mildly worked over. It's, it's a balanced engine, but everything's mild, mild can, mild this and that. It's probably got maybe 350 horsepower, maybe, or 375 if I'm lucky. Well, going to Ted, they started out in California. Uh, going through that valley, I could smell gas. So I pull over to the nearest uh, gas station as possible because I didn't want to pull off the road. And sure enough, here's my fuel pump just leaking all over. Brand new, and I'm not going to mention a make because that wouldn't be right because they're not all junk. Brand new, shiny, high performance, da-da-da-da-da. And it's leaking from uh, a fractured uh, housing. Well, I carried original fuel pump with me just in case. I don't know. I just, I just didn't feel good going across America without at least having some vestigial parts, you know? So it was a lucky thing. I had the fuel pump with me. So I put it in a gas station. It took me about 30 minutes or something. It's a mechanical fuel pump, nothing fancy. And we got going again. That was a wake-up call. I've, we've um, punctured radiators, AAA, took us to a shop. And one of the things I've learned is when you get a mechanical problem, you should rely on that truck driver because he's probably done it numerous times usually. And the first thing I ask him, hey, you know a good shop that can fix this car? He goes, oh yeah, my Uncle Bob's got no problem. It can be Uncle Charlie, Uncle Bob, I don't care who. 
He knows them. He won't send me to a place where they're going to rip me off because he works for AAA, first of all. And he will have a reputation after that if something goes wrong. So I take it to Uncle Bob's place, you know. And um, the guy sort us up the, the, um, uh, the radiator, and off we go, you know. Um, that was one, and that's, that's such a minor thing. I've broken transmissions. Oh, this, this is an uh, Yeah, tell yeah. me. You know, this is we, a good one. we, we uh, left California. Uh, we, had a, we had a vintage uh, event at Laguna Seca. And a guy who had a vintage license um, took the car out during the vintage race, and he had a he had a ball passing a lot of those 427 Cobras, man, with this car, because it's a lighter weight, and this guy knew how to drive. But every time he'd come back, I mean, every time he's go turn eight, they they flag him, bah, bah, black flag, black flag, come in, you know. So he come in. Tech guys go through it. The officials going, hey, there's there's no smoke coming up. Second run, black flag, turn eight. Finally. I said, there's got to be a problem. This thing don't smoke. So I look in the engine compartment. Sure enough, in my puke tank, it, I use a, a, you know those water, uh, the water, uh, you fill it up with water for your windshield washer? Well, I use it mm -hmm. as a puke tank. But I run a hose from my dipstick. I don't run a dipstick. I run a hose from the dipstick opening to a puke tank as well as my other uh, other orifices that you use uh, to, to, to uh, run any overflow oil on a track. Um, and sure enough, the little tank was f halfway full of that synthetic lubricant I use. So we, we nursed the car back to Sunnyvale, about, just about 200 miles or something, you know, and as long as I was driving below 45, no, no, no smoke. We take the head gas, the head, uh, pull the engine, take the heads off, we, I blew, it blew between um, cylinder four and five. And that gave the smoke. So I've learned the hard way, no, the easy way, not how to save a track. Because I see guys trying to clamp down that dipstick so that they don't have any pressure pushing it up. But if there's a lot of pressure, it'll push out and it'll go all over the place, you know? So what happened, it just puked right into the puke tank, and I said, because if I did that, they'd kill me. I mean, you know, doing yeah, a vintage sure. race. And so that saved the car. That that was, I just wanted to give this as, as an aside. But one year we drove from California to New Jersey, uh, dropped off something to a friend of ours in New Jersey, uh, to Rhode Island. And driving back, I was, prior to that, I had a hard time shifting the transmission. It, it was kind of clunky. And by the time we got to uh, Maryland, it was really getting clunky. So I pulled off the road, had lunch, and I figured, oh, okay, maybe it'll go away. And as we were about to get on the freeway, the rear wheels froze up. And I, I told Mickey, we're doomed. The transmission seized. For some reason, something broke. Fort, you want a long story on this one? I'll tell you a medium medium okay so so uh, a, 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 a guy with a Harley pulls up he goes oh you having problems you know I go yeah yeah we got some I'm pretty sure it's a transmission problem hey hey you know I know a good uh, transmission shop is LNT transmission up here in Cumberland Maryland I go oh, yeah well my, my dad had a kit car and and they fixed his car right away in a 427 car and I said what really just tell him Joe sent you you know so uh, he said, well, how long have you been winning? I said, right, no, don't worry about it. I, I, I called AAA. Well, how long have you been here? Oh, I mean about 20 minutes. 20 minutes is too long. He gets on his radio. Hey, you guys send, he calls in dispatch. You send a car here right away. We need it right away. So one comes five minutes later. Here's this truck. 
Holy and cow. I, and I learned, I learned this. Now the thing's frozen. The rear wheels are frozen. All right? You can't move them. Ah, tow truck pulls up, gets that long bed out because it's a transporter you can put your car on. Then he gets, he gets a bottle of detergent. He pours it all over the bed and on the tires, and they slide the car right up on the detergent because it's, you know, smooth. We, we get all of our gear out of, the, out of the Cobra from the trunk and stuff, and we put it in his patrol car. Then he puts us in the back of the patrol car with a perp sit, and we follow the tow truck up to the Holiday Inn. So, the, so we're pulling up to this Holiday Inn, and people are watching this tow truck with his cobra on the top, with a police car in the back, and all of a sudden, the back door opens up, and here comes the passengers from this police car <laughs> coming out with their luggage. <laughs> <laughs> he tells, he tells us, "Say, hey, don't worry, this truck is going to take it up to LNT transmission." Yeah, right. So we call, we we call, you know, Enterprise, and they send us a car for a loaner, and we get into that that um, that uh, uh, um, Holiday Inn, and we're having dinner, and this guy comes up, he goes, "Hey." Are you the guys that came in with the Cobra? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what happened, man? I tell him I'm sorry. He says, what? Why, why do you guys want to stay here, man? You can come over to my house. I got a lift and everything. You could have done it at my house. This guy, the, the, the maintenance uh, uh, supervisor, you know? So he said, oh, no, no. We got everything set up. I mean, that's, I'm talking about America. America, mm -hmm. you know? So anyway. Oh, that's what you're doing right now. You're at Fred's house. Yeah, we're at Fred's house doing this. Yeah. Working, right. working on your car yeah. in his garage. Right. Yeah. And and so we get up to LNT. And then uh, when we get up there in the morning, I see there's two guys looking at the car. And they're wondering, what the hell is this car doing there? And I go up and I, then I introduce myself and I, uh, you know, I tell Larry, hey, lay on Larry. Uh, his name is Larry Judd. He's a 5 uh race guy, drag race guy. Uh, and 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 I explained the situation by saying, you know, Larry, I work on my own car. I got all the tools that I have in a trunk to work on anything. All I need is a lift. It's a six bay transmission shop. I mean, it's on professional, real deal kind of thing. You say, oh wow, you know, all of my all of my bays are full right now. Oh, I I remember, I got my race car in the trailer. Well, you can use my garage. Checkered, for, you know the checkered pattern. You know the checkered pattern for there's no dirt, mm -hmm. no dust. These trophies all over the kind. Of, I went, oh wow, oh thanks, man. And he said, well, you know, here use this. You you can use the hoist and everything. And if you got any problems, you call Hoss, and that's that's his main guy. And I mean, Hoss was a big guy. You know, he he can do anything kind of guy. You got any problems, you call him, and he'll help you. He'll help you get the car together and stuff like that. So we spent about two weeks there because Larry would open at eight, and he'd close at five. And if it were us, we'd be running right around the clock getting this thing going, you know. Nope, I got to get out there at 5 because that's when he closes the shop. So we stayed there. We did some our tourist thing, you know. When I took the transmission out, took the top part off it, just a TKO 500. We look in, and it's bone dry. No, bone dry. And he, he goes, how that happen? Because if you have a leak on your seals, your transmission will never be dry. There's going to be oil on the bottom. Right. After Laguna Seca, and we, uh, I had to pull the engine, and at that time I did all the maintenance stuff, I failed to put oil back into the transmission. We ran the car from California to Rhode Island to Cumberland, Maryland, without oil, and it finally seized up. Without any oil in it. That's amazing. It's amazing. 
I mean, it finally gave up. It just ceased. And 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 then so I called Don Walsh at at, at uh, DND Transmission in Michigan. I said, yeah, Don, man, we got a big problem, man. I seized up the transmission. I didn't put any oil, man. He goes, oh wow, that was uh, dumb or something, you know. And so you know, and he goes, and I, I go, well, you know, uh, well, you know, that's one of those things, man, Don. I was in a rush or something, you know. I tell him, he said, oh, don't worry about it. I got the I got the transmission for you. I'm gonna send you a TKO 600 transmission, you know. So I said, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me, you know, but yeah, don't run that regular clutch. I'm going to give you a Kevlar clutch out of a Chevy. I go, uh, no, 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 don't worry. You just got to, you know, you just got to feather thing, just like you're burning the clutch or whatever. And then it'll seat, you know. I go, okay, no, man, I take your word for it, you know. So I put, we put it all in, and, and that's what we've got right now, that TKO 600. And he sent it to uh, Cumberland Brown, paid for the freight. He took care of the freight, took care of whatever I needed. That's awesome. So, yeah, D&D transmission, man, that guy. Yeah, no, yeah, kind of stupid, man. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Makes me think of the yeah. uh, you know? the line from Singing in the Rain. What do you yeah. think I am, yeah. dumb or something? Obscure reference. No, no, we wanted to. I'm saying now the things that we do, they go back many years, man. A lot of these guys, they you know, they let you have it, man. But you know, in a helpful way. I mean, I, I, at, at when we first was racing at uh, Hallett. And Alan, uh, Texas, the Texans come up, the guys from Oklahoma, the good old boys come up, you know, and they're kind of large guys, you know. And, and one day, I was at Hallett, I was, I was suiting up, I was getting ready, you know. This, this big dude comes up, you know, he looks at me, he goes, I hate you. I thought, shit, man, I never went on a track with this guy, man. How does he know me, man? And he goes, I said, oh, man, I got a problem with this dude. He's a big dude, man, you know. And I go, and he goes, well, I hate you, man. You're only son of a bitch I know fits in his goddamn cars. <laughs> All right. Too bad, man. Those are the kind of guys they are, man. That's yeah, funny. We, 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 have a, we have a lot of fun, man. At these it's, like I said, it's a people thing. It's a people thing. I'm not winning anything. And, and, and I really don't think that when I'm on a track, I make people think I'm, I, I'm a professional race car guy that they did to see. No. It's not no. that. No, man. You're just there to have fun. The personalities they run into, man. There's, there's some really far out crazy guys that are having fun out there with fast cars. Yeah. And some of them are really, really good drivers and mechanics. And they've been around. I've met guys who were racing in the 50s. Um, we were, we were uh, this is about five years ago, heading again for Tulsa. We was going on 40. No, actually, we were in 80, or yeah, yeah, we were in 80, headed for uh, Tulsa. And in the, uh, we're coming out of a rest stop because I went to pull over and we wanted to see, you know, I wanted to stretch my legs. And coming out, the, the whole uh, right side of the road was coned off by the Utah uh, Department of Transportation. They were doing maintenance. As I was pulling out, I actually pulled out in the wrong spot, I think, because this Honda hit us at 85 miles an hour, took out my entire left side. Okay. But there's a different story on that one. But as a result, I call a good friend of ours. He lives. He he has his quote shop, but it, it's where he keeps all his fancy cars and race cars and stuff. And I call Frank and say, "Hey, Frank, man, we got taken out by a Honda, man. What do you mean, man? Ah, he crashed into us at 85, you know. And and uh, and that's a, that's the police report. He 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 told Harry Patrol he hit us at 85, you know. Uh, the lucky thing, his reflexes was quick because if he rear-ended us. I wouldn't be talking to you today. He swerved, and as before he could get in, he got halfway into the ditch, and he pulled out of the ditch, and he took out 
the left side of the car. I mean, the wheel was actually mm-hmm. 90 degrees, and he knocked out one of the knockoffs. The ear bent up. If you try to do it with a sledgehammer, you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, those little ears, the mm-hmm. two ears. Yeah. So call Frank and say, hey, Frank, man. You know, can I use the shop? He said, "Okay, you you know you got you got the the combination. You just go in there, and I'll shoot next morning." You know, found a tow guy, took us from there to Huntington Beach. Then that cost us like a couple thousand dollars, man. It was five dollars a mile or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't a triple A one because he wouldn't do the triple A because it's too far. So um, that was a major uh, setback because I had to cancel all events, all because uh, I knew we couldn't get the car together, you know. But the thing was, we lived in, in that place, in Frank's place, for two months, uh, putting the car together, surrounded by race cars and, and, and show cars. And his shop is next to Lanzini Paint, next to uh, Foos. You know Chip Foos? You Chip know Foos, that yeah. on television? Mm-hmm. Well, that's where Frank's shop is, see? And so we're there, surrounded by hot rods. And... and uh, and we could live there because he had a bedroom suite, he had showers, you know, the, the typical kind of, um, you know, place where you, you know, keep high-end cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. And every morning we'd wake up, we'd have breakfast, you know, because uh, he had a kitchen and everything. And we just surrounded by all these race cars and I was working there. I mean, I didn't mind if I stayed there a year. We found all the best poke shops and the best restaurants and... Uh, that was that was part of our uh, experience that year. It was fun. It wasn't. It was fun because nobody got hurt. Yeah. When that Hona hit us, we could still see him going down the road because it was like a lightning hit us. I mean, we didn't feel like we, we could only feel like the car was pushed to the side. And I looked out the window. I said, "Hey, we ain't going anywhere after this, man," because I could see the wheel look like that. But we could still see the car going down about a quarter mile, and then he went head on into the embankment. I, I made sure Mickey was okay. She said, I'm fine. She didn't feel anything. I got out of the car. I started going to The Honda door opens up. He gets out. He's running to me. He says, hey, are you guys okay? Are you guys okay? So I knew everybody was okay. The car was totaled, you know? And uh, that started that, 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 that latest adventure of ours in that, uh, in that, um, that shop of uh, Frank's and uh, I asked Frank to uh, later on because the Shelby American Automobile Club they wanted they wanted to know who it was um, but by the time they made it article, I said I can't tell you man but then I talked to Frank later, said, hey Frank man you know they want to know who you were man I said is it okay if I tell him you know his name is Frank Lewis and uh, he was retired then you know some and uh, he, 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 but now he's trying to he, uh, he and his wife, they're traveling all over the world. I guess he got tired of He used to race, too. I mean, he's really good race guy. And it's another story that, you know, part of our, our stuff, because Mickey has gone out on, for the past 10 or 15 years, he's gone out on every Shelby prototype race car that Shelby and Ford's built, because they know her, too, because she used to race in our car. So, you know... Um, in fact, the first race was in, 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 in Atlanta Motor Speedway in 1995. And when she went on the track, the announcer actually said, woman on the track, woman on the track. Oh, she came back. She was so pissed off. <laughs> I said, what do you speak? I mean, you know, they, they, I don't know. You know, she's uh, going whatever. She's going nuts because he said, woman on the track, woman. That's what they were in those days, you know. And today, mm-hmm. they're beating the shit out of us. So it's women. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so That's awesome. you know, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, she's been out on uh, for the past at least ten or fifteen years 
on all of those prototype cars because at uh, Hallett Motor Racing Circuit, uh, Ford Motor Company would send down their put like the Raptor, and you were talking about how guys have to drive this car. Well, the guy, the 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 engineer who actually engineered the Raptor, uh, and helped and and Ford, you know, with Ford, he came down with the first prototype Raptor. And he found out about her and said, oh, I'm going to give you a ride, you know, because they know that she likes to go fast and stuff. And, and actually, he actually spun out on the track, you know, he said, oh, man, I'm sorry, but I was trying to impress you because they all said that you like to go fast. <laughs> so, so, and I heard that, I said, hey, man, why don't you take our car out, you know, this car, you know. And so he got in and strapped him in, put a helmet on, you know, and he went out. And two laps, he came back and said, oh, man, I can't drive this car. And you know what he said? There's nothing artificial about this car. This mm. is why he won't drive it. Nothing artificial about it. Hmm. That's the term he used about it. And that's why he wouldn't drive it. Yeah, and he couldn't. Huh. He couldn't drive it at speed. I mean, you gotta learn how to, you gotta know how to downshift and stuff like that, man. Right. Take it into the corners and stuff. Can't. Yeah. Yeah. The new cars are video yeah, games. Yeah. Keep your RPM up. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, heel and toe. These guys never heel and toe. You don't have to. Their drums are 15 inch. I got 15 inch tires on my car. <laughs> I, when yeah. I seen these things come out today, yeah. man, I mean, they're awesome. But there's something, of, there's something visceral about clutching, shifting, you know, downshifting, keeping the RPMs up before you come into a turn. I don't take this car over 4,000 RPM on a track. This is why I went 150,000 miles. When I'm on a straighter at Pocono, I'm in overdrive. And then I'm downshifting just to keep the RPMs down. Mm -hmm. If I kept it up with that, this engine, I don't think it, it wouldn't last long. It's just overstroked. Yeah. A 427 on a Wednesday is an over, unless you get a dart block. You get a dart block, you can go 480, I think, 480 cubes, but then it'd be dangerous. But if you got a 427 dart block, I think you can bring it up to six, five, maybe 7,000, maybe. You'd never be able to do it with this car. So I learned to keep it down. I short shift at 5,000 RPM on a drag strip, and I still do 13 seconds. I mean, imagine if I power shifted at like, and I don't even power shift, I just fast shifted. And it's a kind of speed I think. That's quicker than GTOs just doing a day. Mm -hmm. A GTO couldn't do 14 seconds. I do 13, easy shifting this thing on, on, a, on, a, on a drag strip. And yeah. it sounds good too. Like these other cars, they go, and they do like 13, 12. I but there's the you know Ford F one fifty EcoBoost pickup trucks. I'm saying so they're doing tens and elevens. I'm saying yeah, just, right. It's like it's yep. nothing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Technology is everything, man. If you want, if you want to go quick, but I don't know much. I've raced at. You can only go you know, so fast though, right? And, and it's mm -hmm. it's about the experience. the 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 more I drive, the more I like old cars that are slower that make better noises. Because you go too fast on the street and you're a danger to yourself and others. Yeah. You're in danger of getting arrested. I agree. And the old cars, it's like you can yeah. wind them out and you get passed by a Camry and I'm having way more fun. Yes. There's a reason why car and driver, their last uh, printed uh, magazine, I found out by accident. Somebody told me because they know we're just going to go. Car and driver chose the 289 Cobra over... A McLaren F a P1. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. I mean, why? The experience. The mm -hmm. unanimous eight editors, eight different cars, all chose the 289 Cobra. 
because of what you said. It's that that experience of driving. Of, I don't know. I mean, like it just just the experience of driving a car like that. Yeah. It, it could have been like a Miatas. I love Miatas. The early Miatas. I love them. I mean, like people. Go, what? Said, it's a slow Cobra. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Not at VIR. One of them passed me. One of those monster Miatas. They had yep. a small block Ford. Yep. <laughs> and so the next, the next one, I said, "Is that guy going out?" I'm not going out. <laughs> those awesome. things are wicked fast, man. And and they're easy to work on. They're easy to work on. You know, and it's cheap. Get a Miata. You don't even have to do any any body work. No fender work. Some of them just bolt in with, with those monster Miata parts and stuff. Tell you that's you know, essentially that's what this thing is, an AC with a V8. So yeah. that uh, talking about the experience of driving this car, just about sums up mm-hmm. your your entire past thirty years of yeah. of driving across country. You talked about yeah. Americana about meeting people, about the experiences and just the the engagement that you get from driving an older car. Yeah. What would you yeah. say to the people who brag about having low mileage cars? You go to Cars and Coffee and say, "Oh, this car only has two thousand miles." Okay. I used to really resent quote rich guys when I'd see them at Barrett Jackson buying all these cars that now have put it out of our reach because they it's an ego thing for them they, they bid for it you know and the prices let me tell you i've, I've met a lot i've made I, I have a lot of made a lot of friends with these so-called rich guys ones with money and i found out they busted their ass their whole life and at the point they were able to get these cars it was their time and and that's how they got these cars and it was a passion for them. It was something they really wanted to do, but they gave up many things in order to get where they were, they were at that point. Mm-hmm. We didn't. We gave up everything to do what we want to do. We don't have money in the bank, but we have these memories that will never go away that nobody's going to take from us. You put your money in the bank, somebody can take it. But the memories of doing something is what nobody will take away. Now, that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question about guys who have cars that have low mileage, not just that, that have yeah. low mileage, but that's but, like a that's the first thing they say. Yeah. My car only has two thousand yeah. miles. Like like uh, rich or poor, yeah. whatever. Oh no, I understand yeah. that because uh, I seen I seen like a Pantera uh, on a West Coast that had two hundred fifty miles on it, and it was up and we and I was I was with the the head of that shop that that uh, broker guy. And uh, we were wondering, uh, he was wondering whether or not to uh, uh, paint or repaint the, uh, the, uh, the, the bottom uh, A-arm. Mm-hmm. And we were going, wow, you know, safety first. If there's more corrosion on that part, it may cause a problem for the buyer. So we're going to repaint that part. That was his philosophy. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's others that don't, okay? But... The guy that buys that car with 250 miles, and that's his bragging rights, he's entitled to it. Because if I really wanted to, I can go out and get a, uh, a Pantera with 500,000 miles, get it cheap, but we're going to go and drive it cross country because that's what we do. Right. And they, he won't do it. 
okay? Yeah. But there's a difference between hot rodder, which we are, and guys who love cars. Most people today, I believe, love cars. Love cars because of what they represent. It's America. The cars made America. Without cars, we did them. without automotive stuff and Henry Ford, and I, we wouldn't be the kind of country we are. It, 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 it's it's the whole visceral, emotional thing about transportation, about having the freedom and ability, and uh, you know the way to get from one place to the other. You know. We don't have that. We we just want to go from one place to the other, have fun, meet people and stuff. But basically, we don't have money in the bank, but we got all these memories. Other people, they saved up their money to get their dream thing, and but they're not harder. They don't want to work on our cars. They have people working on their cars. Yeah. I just like to get, I just like to do this, you know. It's so, I don't have any feeling about guys that say, and but I can appreciate somebody who wouldn't drive that car like a Pantera and only have 250 miles. Oh, wow, you have this thing, you didn't want to really drive it that much? Yeah. What? Well, well, you know, and you'll probably well, I got 40 others, you know, something like that, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, what are you going to say? Yeah. 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 That's, that's a really yeah. good perspective. Yeah. Um, America. You, you, are, you are rich in experience. Yeah, yeah America, Let's put man. rich in memories yeah. and rich in experience. Yeah. So, yeah. well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you You're for welcome. telling your stories. Um, uh, to immortalize them uh, obviously we've heard them at the the dinner table and the lunch table a, yeah. a few times and it's always a pleasure to be around you and i Thank can you. see why you love meeting people so much is because you love people and i'm sure people love this you is America. yeah America um, made it happen yeah America, so if, if any of you guys are out yeah. at an event a sack yeah. event you've got to meet Kay and yeah, Mickey yeah. and see their their car number 34 it, it defines <laughs> patina this is patina it's been painted three times yeah, it's right. got 150,000 yep. miles it's yep. amazing it is, uh, but Kay yeah. and Mickey are wonderful people thank you so much Kay for spending this time with us thank you yeah thank you pleasure my pleasure we're happy to have Nuts for Sticks as a sponsor of SwitchCast. Nuts for Sticks is a fantastic merchandise site where you can get t-shirts, car-related t-shirts that usually also have dad jokes and puns on them. They have a great selection of high-quality t-shirts there, so go check them out at nutsforsticks.com and use discount code SWITCHCAST for 10% off your entire order. Again, that's nutsforsticks.com, discount code SWITCHCAST. I think and I hope that you guys really, really were encouraged, edified, and entertained by that interview. That was that was a special one for me. They were in town and actually were in town for a little bit extra time because they had to do some work on their car, which is not an uncommon uh, theme for them as they put so many miles on them on the on the car. So uh, I'm glad you stuck around for that. And uh, again, I want to thank Kay for being such a, a wonderful guest. I want to thank our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Stephen Home Woodworking, and Nathan's Detailing for their support. And thank our producer, Ethan Huffnagel. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available Friday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to answering your automotive questions to help you on the drive of your life.